Hello and welcome to the second podcast from The Evidence-Based Investor, brought to you by Regis Media, connecting advisors with clients. I'm Robin Powell. Now, I'm guessing that because you're listening to this, you're already familiar with the term evidence-based investing, or maybe you're not. Either way, I thought it would be a good idea early on in this podcast series to talk about what we actually mean by it. The term has been used for several years. Dimensional Fund Advisors, a company many of our listeners will know plenty about, seems particularly keen on it. But I only started using the phrase regularly myself in the spring of 2014. And that was as a result of an ongoing conversation I was having with Wendy Cook. Now, Wendy is based in Oregon, from where she produces blogs and other content for financial advisors. And I'm pleased to say she joins us now on Skype. Wendy, great to have you with us. How then did the phrase evidence-based investing come about? So the name evidence-based investing, it's a fascinating history. Back in 1998, when I first entered the financial world as, a, as really a writer first and a, and a financial person, well, I was just a regular, ordinary investor when I first discovered uh, the investing world as a professional writer. The big term that the firm I joined used was passive investing. So that was all well and good for a while, especially as we began to try to introduce the concept to the world. <laughs> But eventually, it began to feel a little too restrictive in terms of what we were really doing for investors. Passive investing wasn't quite capturing it. it the, the word itself, passive, was kind of a bit of a turnoff. It sounds like we're not doing anything at all, whereas you know, any kind of investing, you have to do something. <laughs> Of course, a colleague of yours at Buckingham Asset Management was Larry Swedro, and I know that he particularly dislikes the phrase passive investing. So he all along has been never shy about doing what needs to be done to serve investors' best interests. And so he and, and people like Matt Hall, who has now published his book Odds On, and myself and, and just other people around the country began the conversation of, well, what are we going to call this if we're not going to call it passive? And so at least among ourselves, what we determined was that at the end of the day, what really matters the most in investment strategy isn't necessarily what you're doing as much as why you're doing it. So at the end of the day, what what determines you know, whether a strategy is expected to work over the long haul is what does the evidence tell us? So, as I recall in 2014, you wrote a blog post suggesting that we stop using the term passive investing and start using evidence-based investing instead. Now, I must admit, Wendy, I wasn't sure to start with. After all, most investment professionals would argue that they base their philosophy on some form of evidence. Yeah, well, there, and there are, you know, there's evidence and there's evidence. <laughs> Um, and there's always probably going to be that debate. It, it's something like a big happy family where you have various viewpoints within that family and some of the viewpoints may be more valid than others. Um, the evidence that the, you know, the, the people I associate with or the advisors I work with uh, tend to embrace is what we call the academic-based uh, evidence. Um, and 
it takes kind of a deep dive to understand what we mean by that. It's beyond just doing an analysis, even if it's a fairly strictly done one, to ensure that the evidence is as solid and reliable as possible. Um, some of the qualities that we look for in the evidence that we consider real evidence is, for example, the people doing the study really should begin with a disinterested outlook, which usually involves academia versus the industry, uh, because the industry, by definition, is going to have an interest in the outcome. So if, if you start with, gee, I hope the study turns out this way, more often than not, that's how the study is going to turn out, because some you know biases are going to creep in. I don't know about you, Wendy, but for me, the most important characteristic of reliable evidence is that it's been peer-reviewed. To test whether their findings are reliable, academics publish their research in credible academic journals. And this gives other academics the chance to agree or disagree on whether the results are sound. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the peer review is essential and uh, because no person can, no matter how objective or academic or rigorous they are, we're all human and, and we're all subject to human biases and, frankly, human mistakes. Uh, so the peer review is absolutely essential to ensuring that, you know, what one study concludes can be is solid. The other factor is the time, of course. You know, it, it takes time for a conclusion to prove out in the real world, and you know that can take decades. So some of these strategies that may be referred to as evidence-based these days, you know, they, some of them may be not quite time-tested as much as they probably need to be before we reach valid, solid conclusions. You're listening to Wendy Cook talking to me, Robin Powell. In a moment, I'm going to ask Wendy about the inaugural Evidence-Based Investing Conference taking place next week in New York City. But first, let's hear from our sponsor, without whose support this podcast would not be possible. Hi, Sam Lewis here from Regis Media. We help advisors around the world to attract, retain and educate clients. We know we can deliver results, but don't just take our word for it. Here's Sam Instone, CEO of AES International, a wealth management firm based in Dubai. I think the impact of the Regis Media videos has been very positive on our organisation because it tells the story which we aspire to tell to all of our clients, which have been the basic principles of good investment. They first and foremost understand the purpose of why we exist and what we're trying to do in order to help clients, but the quality of what they do and the service that they have provided has also been excellent. To find out more, visit regismedia.com. Wendy Cook, we've talked about the origins of the term evidence-based investing, and it's fair to say it really is gaining traction. People are using the phrase much more often. And now, how exciting, we have our very own conference hosted next week in New York City by Ritholtz Wealth Management. <laughs> I know, isn't that amazing? I, when I saw that, I was like, wow, you know, we finally made the big time. So I, I'm really excited about going to that, not only because I'll get to meet you, <laughs> um, but uh, there's just so many huge names 
speaking at that conference, names like Charlie Ellis, who I've been reading for years, and the thought of meeting him in person is pretty exciting. Um, I think it'll also be a good venue to really begin to dig into, you know, we're so early in the use of the name evidence-based investing. I think we're still defining it, and maybe we always will be. It's the, you know, a useful term is, you know, the English language is very flexible and a living thing. Um, so this forum being the first of its kind, I think it'll be fascinating to hear the discussions among people, all of whom care about the term deeply, exploring its limits and its opportunities and possibilities. And you know, I see this as just the beginning of something really exciting. Like me, Wendy, at the conference, you're particularly hoping to meet financial advisors who have an evidence-based investment philosophy. Just explain exactly what it is you do. Uh, basically, I'm a writer. Uh, I've always been a writer since I was, oh, about 12, I think. <laughs> and for many years, it didn't really matter what I wrote about as long as someone would pay me. <laughs> Somewhere along the way, I sort of accidentally stumbled into the BAM advisor, Buckingham advisor world and got hired by them. And once I started writing about investing, I realized this is what my life is meant to be. I, I'm supposed to be writing about this stuff because it came so naturally and it felt so important to me. So when I went freelance, I continued to write for evidence-based advisors. Um, I offer them you know, a library of materials that they can share, or I do custom writing for them. Um, and I try to focus you know, unlike I, I think Robin, you do videos and podcasts and other things beyond just the writing. I try and focus mostly on the writing because that's really where my heart is at. It's what I love doing. As you say, I also produce content for evidence-based advisors. And for me, one of the big challenges you and I face is the fact that what we're writing about and what we're recommending that people do is actually, let's face it, quite dull. Indexing is anything but exciting. But not only that, it's also counterintuitive, isn't it? It goes against what most people think they know about investing. Well, I, I, you know, it's been so long since I've learned about it, it's, it's hard for me to even think back to uh, it seeming complicated. Because once you do kind of get it, it, it's like everything clicks into place and you go, oh, so this is how I'm supposed to be investing. I do remember when I first met Larry Swedrow and, and the folks at Buckingham and knew nothing about the strategy. I distinctly remember my first impression hearing the, in them start to talk about it was, what is this, some sort of pyramid scheme? Uh, you know, because it was just so different, so different from what I'd been exposed to up until then. So, yeah, there is that hurdle to get over uh, understanding it. Now, I'm sure there's no shortage of work for you in the United States at the moment. The shift there away from active management towards low-cost indexing has been really quite amazing. It's happening less quickly here in the UK and elsewhere, but it's definitely happening. Evidence-based investing is going global. Absolutely. In fact, the past year or two or three, uh, my business has begun to expand outside of the US, uh, you know, into Canada, the UK. Yesterday evening, I spoke with a fellow in Hong Kong, so that was really exciting. And so what I'm seeing when I talk to other people in other countries is how spoiled we are here in the U.S. because we are seeing the movement begin to really 
pick up some momentum and you know where everyone's already heard of passive and every and we don't necessarily need to explain what indexing is to the general public and yet in other countries especially like the fellow in Hong Kong was saying these are foreign concepts no pun intended it's exciting to see it spread and like a big virus take over the world <laughs> Wendy as ever it's been a pleasure talking to you see you in New York yeah definitely We'll, we'll have a toast to evidence-based investing. Wendy Cook there. And that's it for this week. Thank you to Wendy and to our sponsor, Regis Media, connecting advisors with clients. You can find out more about Regis Media at regismedia.com. But thanks most of all to you for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.